on FM, on DAB, and up to date on social media. We are Radio Newark. Jackie Wilson there and higher and higher. Listening to the girls around town here on Radio Newark with me, June Rollins, and also now with my guest for this morning, Graham Keel. Graham, good morning. Morning, June. Morning, you ha- everybody. You haven't come very far, have you? No, not far. You're- I would have come on my bike, but I'd uh, I got a few heavy uh, files with me, uh, <laughs> photographs, uh, books of photographs and things. <laughs> well, I, I walked this morning. I, th- I felt I needed the air. I'd had a late night and, and a heavy week, so I thought a bit of fresh air will do me the world of good. Quite. So, yes. Um... Of course, it does mean I've got to walk back again, but hey-ho, that'll do me even more good, won't it? Right, Graham, before we go up to the news and then come back to the main part of our interview this morning, just remind people in relatively brief terms, you've got a couple of minutes or so before the news, just remind people in sort of broad terms what you have done, do, well, I, I, I've been a journalist for 44, no, 45 years now. Uh, I was a showbiz journalist, mainly interviewing people from telly, world of telly for about 34 or 5 years of that and uh, I'm currently working on the Newark Advertiser just part time but uh, I also do talks and uh, that's been a a kind of uh, great love of mine entertaining audiences for the last uh, 13 years Uh, I've done about 250 talks up to now Gosh! and the next one's coming up at uh, it's a bit more than that actually now next one's coming up at Carriages on uh, Friday next when I'm doing my 50 Shades of Graham Uh, And we'll talk a lot more about that in the second hour of the show. Now, before I forget, um, as I mentioned on air just before you came in, I was at a fight night last night with um, all the Suggies Gym crowd, and I met an old friend of yours. Oh, really? Now, she's somebody that I know, but I haven't seen for quite some time myself. Um, She's a lady called Susanna Nelson. Right. And she told me that you were one of her first customer's clients 25 years ago. Oh, gosh, yes, Susanna. Yes, gosh, yes. yes. Uh, sports, uh, sports massage. That's right, and, uh, yes, physio. she was in those days. I mean, she's broadened, we, we chatted um, in between fights quite a bit, she's broadened her scope, as it were, of the kind right. of treatments and things she does. She's um, working out, at least part of the time, working out a spectrum up at Fernwood these days as oh, well. right. But, um, Lovely yes, woman. yes she's, uh, when she was asking me about um, who was on the show this morning. When I said uh, you, she said, oh, yes, I saw that actually on your website. She said, I know, Graham. <laughs> Remember to tell him I said hello. Oh, that's lovely. So <laughs> Thank you, Susanna. Hello. <laughs> so, yes, it was her first fight night. So um, she was... Uh, I think she quite enjoyed herself. Something a little bit different. Um, So, uh, as I say, we're going to be talking in a lot more detail about some of the things that you've done and, in particular, one thing that you're about to do. This um, talk at Carriages next next week, isn't it? Yes. 24th? 24th, isn't it? 24th. Yeah, we'll go into a lot more detail about that after (laughs) the news. So, um, stay with us, everybody. If you want to get in touch, you can give us a call here. 01636 Just bear in mind, I am on my own uh, in terms of running the show. Uh, obviously, I've got Graham with me. So I won't be able to answer the phone if I'm talking on air. But by all means, uh, give us a call and if you want to um, join in the conversation, so to speak. That's, um, like I say, all coming up after the news uh, when Graham and I are going to be talking about some of those celebrity interviews um, and also the different talks and what inspired him with Fifty Shades of Graham. And also, (coughs) we might very briefly, in passing, talk about this new um, E.L. James book. But it will be in passing, I think. Neither of us have read it. 
neither of us are planning to read it i'm sure <laughs> uh, but it is quite um appropriate quite well timed in uh, given the fact that graham is going to be giving this talk here in newark so stay with us we will be back after the news and the weather and we'll be talking to graham for the rest of the show here on radio newark very appropriate that one sunday morning from maroon five it is of course sunday morning i'm sure you're not in any doubt about that and you're listening to the girls around town here on radio new york with me june rollins and with my guest graham keel so graham we mentioned in passing before the news and, and weather headlines there that one of the things you spent many years doing was interviewing celebrities yeah some of them really big ones a few really big ones, yeah. I mean, mostly it was people from TV, uh, with the occasional Hollywood star and the occasional pop star thrown in. Uh, but just this morning, I was I was thumbing through a few old cuttings and came across my interview. Uh, you were talking about 80s music earlier. Well, in 1988, uh, at the age of 80, uh, him, not me, I interviewed uh, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, you know, from It's a Wonderful Life, Gosh, yes, the Hollywood legend. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful man. And it's amazing what you forget. I mean, he tells some great anecdotes, and uh, it's so long ago that I wrote it, and I haven't read it in years, that uh, you forget. But he, he told our... Uh, he says, I'll never forget the time I came out from New York to MGM. This was about 1933. Uh, he said he got to know uh, casting director Billy Grady, who took him uh, to see a producer about a part in The Murder Man with Spencer Tracy. And Grady int- introduced the lanky new actor, six foot three and weighing just ten stone. Now, bear in mind, I'm skinny. I weigh 10 stone. I'm 5 foot 8. I mean, that is really skinny. It is indeed. So he's a real lanky beanpole. And he said, uh, he introduced him with these words, I think in your picture, Mr. Stewart could play shorty very well. <laughs> uh, anyway, he did. He got the part. But uh, I suppose it was seen as ironic. But uh, he was a wonderful, wonderful man. Uh, and a very modest man. Mm. You know, very mm-hmm. modest. Uh, uh, we didn't get to talk about his war record, but he was a war hero. You know, he flew out of East Anglia on bombing missions and uh, was highly decorated as a pilot and uh, just uh, a generous, warm, lovely guy. A little bit closer to home, one or two of the people I remember you mentioning, of course, um, Morecambe and Wise, I think. Yeah. Uh, separately, not together. Separately, yes. I, well remembered, yeah. <laughs> I, did, uh, I did Eric Morecambe way back in 1975. It was the first celebrity interview I ever did. Uh, and he was just wonderful. So funny. Now, so se- funny. 75, would he have been big in those days? Or was oh, he it's in huge, it's yeah, about, absolutely uh, yeah. huge. I, I, mean, I know were, he was going for a long, long time. They were big from the 60s, yeah. really. Mm. Uh, late 60s. And uh, they, they were the top act on TV. So, uh, so you was, started uh, at the top then? Well, <laughs> in a way, yeah. I mean, uh, journalistically, I started at the bottom because I was on a little weekly paper, the Sleaford Standard. It doesn't get much smaller than that. So uh, there were two of us went to interview him, and uh, both trainee journalists. And for him to generously, so generously give of his time after playing all day in this charity cricket match at uh, Cranwell, uh, to talk to two cub reporters from a little local newspaper he'd never heard of and would never see was such a generous thing to do you know uh, uh, and he just made us laugh through the whole thing mm. he was so kind so generous uh, i didn't do ernie uh, until many years later 12 years later uh, by which time eric had already died uh, but i did ernie um, it was just a press conference so it wasn't like a one-to-one mm. the mm. first time and it was another six years before I uh, got a proper one-to-one interview with him, by which time he was no longer a big star, really. I mean, he was still a legendary name, but he wasn't yeah. on primetime mm-hmm. TV mm-hmm. anymore, and he wasn't doing much work anymore, but uh, still fascinating to uh, get his side of the equation. Now, I'm probably going to put you slightly on the spot here now. Uh, perhaps should have warned you about this one beforehand, but if you had to choose one celebrity interview or one celebrity that was 
the number one for you yeah. who would you go for you can have a couple if you if you well must. eric would come eric certainly top two but the one i always rank alongside eric or, or maybe slightly even more fondly uh, i remember this is pat phoenix you know who uh, coronation street coronation of street. the earrings yeah yes yeah. <laughs> uh, i mean she was just a legend to me and uh, i was nine years old when coronation street first started and uh, total square eyes always watching tv and uh, i remember seeing the trailers for corrie and uh, trailers is too grand a word really it was just a line drawing of some salford tenements and uh, uh, saying that this gritty new drama series was starting twice weekly on uh, on ITV on Wednesday, Mondays and Wednesdays, seven thirty. I thought, well, I think I'll watch that, and I never missed it for twenty five years. <laughs> uh, I have hardly seen it since, but for the first twenty years, I never missed it. So Pat Phoenix to me was the biggest star of soaps ever uh, mm. that there ever could be. And bizarrely, I met her when I was nine years old. Uh, she came to open the first ever Lincolnshire uh, vintage traction engine rally <laughs> and my dad bizarrely uh, was instrumental in booking it and he showed around the ground and uh, well I, I had a very odd uh, uh, encounter with her myself because uh, as she was leaving I, had, I was with my mum not with my dad and looking on from afar but as she was leaving in this uh, uh, silver grey Jaguar saloon uh, she was going out of the uh, grounds on this and it was uh you had to go on this long farm track to get to the tarmac road and uh i thought i'd have to go really slowly and i ran after the car and i was running alongside the car uh getting out of breath by now having caught up with it and uh pat was looking up at me and i was looking down at pat and uh and she wound down the window and uh i smiled at her and she smiled at me and she said hello <laughs> and i uh, my dad had given her a big kiss goodbye before she got into the car and i said uh I said hey 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 pat you know that man that man who gave you a kiss that was my dad <laughs> <laughs> and she threw her head back and laughed and uh, uproariously and it was a golden moment for me and uh, and i record this in some detail in in one of my talks the oprah winfrey touched my elbow talk no sorry in the terry wogan's hair weave and other stories talk and uh, uh, 25 years later, I interviewed her, and it was one of the last interviews she would have given, because she, she died of lung mm. cancer, sadly, mm. nine months later, but she gave a terrific interview. Uh, and I have a wonderful photograph of her from that day as well. Uh, so she really <coughs> lingers in the memory uh, very much. And those were, uh, those were the glory days of Corrie, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, like you, I watched it for years and years um i can't remember the last time i watched it lately i made a conscious decision to stop yeah because um it was getting so dismal yeah and the stories went on and on and on yeah and they've got so many nights to fill it yes. used to be two nights a week yes. they, had, they had a quality <laughs> control then and and also the the, the <clears> soaps that they kind of um, I, I don't watch any of them anymore. I've never really watched Me Extenders. Neither. You know, I, no. I always found that. I was at the press depressing. launch in 1985. <laughs> but I've never really watched it, except when I've been interviewing the members of the cast, and I've had to swat up quick. Yeah, uh, and that's happened in, with Coronation Street over the years as well. I've occasionally had to catch up quick because I've been doing interviews with members of the cast. But I think the problem these days with the soaps as well um, is that you see the same stories in the three biggies, for example, Corrie, Emmerdale, and. EastEnders yeah. 
I tend to look in the in the um, TV papers and see, you know, what's happening on, on TV in general. And if I read the bits about the soaps, you think, well, they've got the same story. You know, they've huh. had a, they've had a plane crash. They're having a rail crash. They've got a, a, a bridge falling down and killing everybody. Yeah. It ju- it's it's very repetitive, I think, isn't it? And there seems to be. Uh, uh, I mean, we were in we were on holiday with my uh, partner's uh, brother-in-law and sister a couple of years ago and they watched it so we, we watched it with them and uh, there was a murder just taken place and uh, i think just recently there's, there's been a kidnapping uh, and uh, you know this we never needed those kind of heightened dramas no, in no, the old and, days. and, and coronation street in particular i think one of the big big attractions of it certainly for me and i'm sure for a lot of other people was the thread of humor going through exactly. the stories all yeah, the time yeah and people like one. pat phoenix and um Ina Sharples, yes, that was what I was trying to think of, and uh, all sorts of Jack and whatever his wife was, um, Jack and can't think, um, but th- there was always that that sort of it was it's realistic, yeah, but there was always a thread of humour underneath, and these days, um, or obviously I say I don't watch them anymore, but in the latter days of my watching them, you get to the end of 30 minutes and you think, God, I feel so depressed now. Yeah. I mentioned in my Terry Wogan talk uh, about Ina Sharples that uh, Violet Carson... I, I was on, the way to, uh, on my way to Nottingham a few years ago to try and pitch for some uh, PR work. And I didn't get it, but it wasn't a wasted journey because uh, on the way there was a 30-minute profile of Violet Carson uh, by uh, um, Mark Radcliffe, the Radio 2 DJ of all people. And he's three or four years younger than me, but like me, he'd grown up from the age of about five, in his case, watching Coronation Street and addicted to it. And he was obsessed with the Ina character. Uh, I had the more glamorous Pat to be obsessed with, Elsie Tanner, so I got the better deal, I think. But uh, he described the Ina Sharples face as the face of a bulldog that had just licked chilli off a thistle. (laughs) And that captures it so brilliantly. I've never forgotten (laughs) You're listening to Girls Around Town here on Radio New York this Sunday morning, this sunny Sunday morning, or it was the last time I went out of uh, the door here at the studio. It's nice to see the sunshine. Um, me, June Rollins, in the chair, and with me, my guest, Graham Keel. We've talked about some of the uh, amazing celebrities that Graham has talked to, interviewed, written about over the years. We're going to move on now to the latest uh, or at least part of the latest um aspect of his career which is the talk side mm. so it's quite appropriate because we're here talking and we're going to talk about talks graham how did you what, what took you from uh being a journalist writing and interviewing people into standing up there and doing it yourself well, i suppose it's a bit like uh you know football writers in uh, national newspapers are mostly frustrated footballers they're, they're either too too uh, overweight or too uh, unfit or lack the skill but they so they write about it yeah. instead mm-hmm. and i was always a bit of a frustrated performer uh i mean i, I used to compare uh, comedy reviews at school i did it at university uh when i was a younger journalist i even entered opportunity knocks as a stand-up comedian really I was pretty terrible oh yes yeah <laughs> Uh, what, uh, Huey, what Huey Green? Well, was it, he, Huey it was Green? Bob Monkhouse at the time. Uh, it was long after Huey Green. I did interview Huey Green when he was doing it. <laughs> Uh, but uh, that was Gosh, a we are so uh, showing our age here, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> There'll be yeah. people sitting out there who think, Huey ah. Green, who's that? <laughs> well, I, uh, what, what really floored me at the uh, audition, which it's not easy to be funny in front of a hard-faced panel of uh, jurists mm-hmm. rather than an audience, and uh, amongst them was a, a formidable lady called Anne Rosenberg, who was the head of uh, light entertainment publicity at the BBC. 
and I had regular dealings with Anne uh, as a journalist. I wasn't expecting her or anybody I knew to be in the audience amongst these hard-faced critics looking at my audition. So I was ultra, ultra nervous and, uh, and really bad. And I thought, well, I'll come back next year and be better. But they axed the series rather oh than let that happen. So you were the kiss a, of death. Yeah. There was always a bit of a performer in me that wasn't really getting an outlet. But I, I, I got around that by interviewing other comedians mm -hmm. and, uh, and other celebrities, talented people. So that was my outlet. But um, come 2006, uh, the commissions for TV uh, interviews were getting thin on the ground and I was thinking, I've got to find something else to do. And an old friend of mine, uh, uh, Terry Ramsey, who was um, TV editor of the London Evening Standard, uh, years before he'd been my lodger when I was a TV editor on the Northern Echo up in Darlington and uh, he later took over that job but eventually went to London, was on the standard. We met at a um, Broadcasting Press Guild Awards and uh, had a bit of a reunion and uh, having a drink with him at Soho House afterwards he uh, told me that, uh, well I, I told him that I wanted to be a speaker but I said you've got to, you've got to be a celebrity to do it. He said nonsense and he knew this journalist who was no great checks as a journalist but was a brilliant speaker mm -hmm. and uh, uh, gave me his name and I found he'd got a website and there was a clip on there and I thought I'm going to watch this clip and uh, if this guy is fantastic and out of reach and too wonderful to compete with I'll give up this ridiculous idea uh, and if not we'll see and I watched it and he was very good but I thought I can do that so uh, I targeted WIs as a sort of first entry venue that I could go to where for a very modest fee you go and entertain uh, a local WI branch and I advertised in the uh, Nottinghamshire WI magazine Hornblower yes and uh, uh, and I also had a flyer sent around with all their other flyers for the month so the secretaries of all the branches got notice of my talks and I got about a dozen bookings from that and that was uh, the first booking was October 2006 and I've been doing them ever since and uh, I have an agent now and I go all over the country uh, I still do WIs for, for still a very modest fee, but I also do much bigger gigs and uh, more lucrative ones, frankly. Um, everywhere from the Isle of Man to Plymouth, you know, I've been all over. <laughs> yeah, now I follow you on Facebook and I quite frequently see your posts and you say, I'm off to so-and-so or I'm yeah. going to such-and-such to do my Oprah one or I'm going to do my such-and-such one. <laughs> so... Um, that was leading me in to say something, and I, I forgot what it was. So, so you, you said, I think, earlier that you've done it probably over 250 or I would think so? it must be about 275 yeah. by now. Mm -hmm. I must do an accurate count-up, but, uh, yeah. And, uh, and which, which would you say is your most popular? Well, until recently, I'd say the Oprah. Uh, uh, but, uh, I don't know, the Fifty Shades of Graham is really catching <laughs> up. I, I, I did it, uh, I've only probably done it about a dozen times. But uh, it, it takes a while for something to really click and for you to really know where mm -hmm. the laughs are and to, to mm -hmm. just get the timing right. And uh, and I did it at a U3A in Lincoln in January and it just went whoosh. You know, they were just so with it from the first... You, you know from the first big laugh that yes, you're supposed to yeah, get yeah. how well it's going to go. Mm -hmm. And they just mm -hmm. hit the roof with the first one. I thought, this is going to be good. And they were terrific, terrific so, audience. So on any of the... On, on the talks, and particularly, I would think, um, Fifty Shades, do you have to slightly modify it depending on your audience or do you just go with go with it and it's pretty much scripted to be honest yeah. ad-libs aren't my strong point <laughs> uh and uh, that might surprise one or two audiences who think i'm ad-libbing but in fact the ad-libs are scripted as well mm. yeah well and they're, they're, they're just adapted yeah. maybe slightly mm. for that audience mm. or i might drop a name in if i know that somebody uh 
sometimes you can pick up on something you've heard beforehand that's about that group so you you kind of edit it slightly but basically the joke was already there you know mm. it, you've just made it look as if mm. it's just off the cuff yeah, for them yeah. which which is what happens i mean you you watch some of these um supposedly off the cuff yeah. i mean the, the mock the weeks and the um what what the, the other one um oh gosh it's gone uh or i'm on radio i'm sorry i haven't a yes, clue yes and know, you the, think gosh that was a really clever quip that he just dropped in there then you think again you think no because it's probably it's been, been written down and you know they yeah. know all about it yeah, yeah. so it's a, it's a sign of it's a sign of a good performer if they can convince you that it was an ad lib isn't that's it? very true yeah that's very true <laughs> now I, I think um terry wogan featured fairly strongly in one of well, i do this talk uh, it was the follow-up to the oprah winfrey touched my elbow because uh, i got to a point where most of the WIs in Nottinghamshire and Lincolnshire had, had seen it. I so, heard all uh, about Oprah, yes. Uh, I needed a follow-up, and uh, somebody, uh, it was actually um, Tory ladies in uh, Newark, uh, wanted to book me for a follow-up talk, and I didn't have one, so I thought, well, I'd better write one. And uh, and I did this Terry Wogan's Hair Weave and Other Stories, which is uh, partly about Terry Wogan, there's quite a lot about Pat Phoenix, and uh, lots of other stars in that one as well. And I do my Ernie Wise uh, stories in that, and a bit more on Eric and... Uh, and other soap stars, lots of personalities in that one too. So ve- ve- very strong, very strongly drawn on all these people yeah. that you met. Right. So le- let's come to um, part. What is partly the reason you're here today? Yeah. Right. Fifty Shades of Graham. Where Fifty Shades did, why of Graham. Why and where did that start? Well, I'd been gathering material for quite some time about the Battle of the Sexes, and uh, th- there's lots of humour flying about the internet uh, uh, on the Battle of the Sexes, and I'd just been kind of quietly filing it away thinking i'm going to make this into a talk and i didn't have a title for it uh and although i touched on 50 shades it wasn't it wasn't the mainstay of it by any means but uh i was watching tv on friday night and uh graham norton was about to come on and i usually watch the graham norton show and uh the 50 shades of gray film uh had just come out and uh graham's guests included uh, uh jamie dawn and, and dakota johnson from mm-hmm. 50 shades mm-hmm. movie and the continuity announcer who was uh, ushering the program in said and now for 50 shades of graham and i thought i'm having that <laughs> that's a gift from the gods that is so uh immediately i got a title and i thought well i better i better uh do a bit more work on 50 shades to tie it in no pun intended to tie it in more with the uh with the uh new theme uh, and the new name so um I thought, well, for research, I'd better go and buy a copy of the <gasps> The book. way you do, yeah. <laughs> Purely for research purposes. <laughs> mm. So I went to a local charity shop uh, in Devon. <laughs> uh, nobody knows me there. And I bought a copy <laughs> of the uh, book and, uh, and read it and uh, did a lot more work on, uh, on the background to the uh, books and the films uh, and, uh, and just made that kind of recurrent theme in the talk. It's not entirely about that. It's still Battle of the Sexes. Uh, is a basis for it but uh, that was the focus talking about uh, buying it from a charity shop now i bought all three um in the in the series purely yeah. for research of yeah, course. of course um and hmm. um yeah it got slightly better when we got yeah. to book number three but i wouldn't say a lot so um and I, do, I don't buy a lot of books. I'm a very avid reader, but I tend to get my books from a library. Right. Support your local library. I'm new at library's right. best customer. And uh, because I pre-book a lot of books, so you know, I'm paying for them. Right. Um, I, and then if I get something that I really, really enjoy, 
from the library i'll go out and buy my own copy right. but 50 shades obviously it wasn't in the in the library at that point so yeah. i bought each one so and they were on special offer at one of the local supermarkets yeah. anyway so i had these three books which i put into my bookshelf and they sat there for a little while and then i thought no i'm never going to read them again no. I'm, i know i'm never going to read them again cherish shop job so they came out of the bookcase and they went into the spare room temporarily and then there was um I, I can't remember whether i saw it in the newspaper or whatever but charity shops were actually refusing to take <laughs> they have so many 50 shades because <laughs> they had so many yeah so for yeah. the first time in my life i have never done this before or since i put books in the bin ah. i mean they went in the recycling bin right. admittedly but i threw i would ah. never dream of throwing no. away a book you know there's <laughs> always somebody who wants it isn't there um but uh, yeah so um I, I i have noticed um i suppose probably when the, the film started uh, film started coming out that they were popping up again in charity shops a little bit yeah. and in fact even i think i saw one in the library not so long ago yeah. but uh, no that that um <laughs> that was um as i say the one and only time i have ever and will ever throw books away yeah. because just nobody wanted and, and obviously they sold so many yes yeah so they were you know i just hope they're not they didn't all end up as a landfill you know <laughs> <laughs> right so um now let me think we we will have a bit more music and then we will talk in um not too much detail because we don't want to give away too many secrets do we but we'll talk in a little bit more detail of some of the sure. um uh battle of the sexes moments yeah. that you uncover in your talk and um the link in where, where they link to uh 50 shades Coldplay there and Viva La Vida. You're listening to The Girls Around Town here on Radio New York with me, June Rollins, and with my guest, Graham Keel. And we've talked about how Graham got into the public speaking, after dinner speaking, luncheon group yeah. speaking, and whatever. Um, and about one or two of his earlier talks, which I'm sure some of them he's still doing anyway. But the up and coming one at the moment is Fifty Shades of Graham. Now, Fifty Shades of Graham is coming to Newark next week it's on the 24th yep, yes friday friday, friday the 24th evening. of um oh yes i can see it now so i'm trying to look i've got a page up from my website friday the 24th of may 7 p.m for a 7 30 start and it is it is at carriages cafe now graham will tell us how we can get hold of tickets in a little while but first of all just give us an inkling of some of the um battle of the sexes type things that you include in the talk well it's uh there's there's very little overlap between this talk and my uh, life as a celebrity interviewer from years ago uh though i do mention one former interviewee barry humphreys who uh who said something very uh, uh relevant to to the theme and uh barry humphreys who's been married four times he said uh at one point that uh uh sex uh between a happily married man uh sorry sex is one of the most beautiful things that can happen between a happily married man and his secretary <laughs> uh and he should know uh so uh that was kind of relevant for that correcting barry humphreys late uh Day Day Med- Med- yes yeah. i saw him her i think i yeah. think as i recall it would have been her because it was in his um i think most of the show there might have been a little bit as barry humphreys but most of the show was in the dame edna yeah. um he probably did a bit of Les Patterson yes. as well. Yes. Uh, oh, yes, yes, yes. The Theatre Royal, I think. I think it was before the days of the concert hall, actually. It's going ah. back a long way. Right. 
Might I, I do remember I was behind a pillar because we got last ah. minute seats. <laughs> well, I anyway. took a, a, a group to see him at uh, the Palladium, I think it was, mm. uh, round about 1980, long time ago. Mm. But yeah. uh, I interviewed him uh, a few years after that uh, when he was. Uh, do you remember the Tube, the pop s- series, the Tube, mm-hmm. used to come mm-hmm. live from Newcastle, mm-hmm. six thirty or, or six o'clock on a Friday night. Uh, well, once a year they had an all-nighter uh, edition of the Tube. And they always had a comedian on, which was a terrible slot for a comedian, because, uh, you know, it was not a, an audience that was there to see comedy. And one year, Barry Humphreys got it and did it as Dame Edna. Uh, and he was serving burgers uh, beforehand, because uh, there was a kind of barbecue thing. They, they did laid on food. And uh, and I had my bar- burger decorated with a bit of bar- uh, Les Humphreys spittle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but uh it was he was very difficult to pin down as an interviewee i have to say he uh uh really didn't want to do it but uh eventually i bearded him in his dressing room in his dressing gown after the gig at two o'clock in the morning and uh they had a party after the show and uh i did him on the staircase uh of uh j- just below this thumping disco at the party uh finally succumbed and uh, he was very reluctant until he realised I was a fan. And once he realised I was a fan, he changed completely and was uh, was rather wonderful after that. So, um, one or two other bits from the from talk. Yes. Uh, well, I talk a lot about um, how careful men have to be about what they say nowadays. Uh, and this was all conceived before all the Me Too scandal and everything. But uh, it seems to me there's no longer an equal playing field, really, between men and women. Uh, for example, uh, I talk about Andrew Castle, uh, the former tennis professional who became a, um, a TV commentator, TV, a tennis uh, commentator and also a more breakfast TV presenter. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, there was a bit of a controversy uh, a couple of years ago uh, when... Uh, I don't know if you did. You follow Wimbledon? I don't know. I don't well, follow. there was a. Uh, I'm a boxing girl, and a kickboxing course, girl, course. and a cage fighting girl. Well, a couple of years ago, <laughs> a very handsome young man called Marcus Willis, who was ranked 772 in the world, astonished uh, uh, anybody who knows about tennis because he made it through all the qualifying rounds. He was too lowly ranked to get straight into Wimbledon, mm. but he beat mm. everybody in qualifying, playing much higher ranked players, and he got into the main draw. And he was up against Ricardis Barankis, who was ranked 54 in the world. So it's number 54 against number 772. <laughs> so, you know, he, he should have been destroyed. Mm, odds in fact, were not really in his favour. Not good. <laughs> but he won. And uh, this was the first time anybody had got this far to the second round of a major tournament, a Grand Slam tournament, uh, for 28 years. Somebody ranked as low as him. And uh, he was up against Roger Federer next, and he got thrashed, of course. Uh, but... Uh, uh, commentating on that match Andrew Castle uh, the camera kept lingering on Marcus Willis's girlfriend who was called Jennifer Bate a very beautiful blonde young woman uh, a dentist and Andrew Castle said I wish my dentist looked like that and he got into a bit of a media storm Mm -hmm. about this Mm -hmm. uh, sexist in inverted commas remark Uh, I didn't think there was anything too awful about that I mean uh, as long as this dentist was a man I presume he was uh, he might not have been too flattered, but it didn't seem to be... <laughs> At least he wasn't denigrating his existing no. female dentist. Uh, anyway, he got a, into a bit of trouble for this. Now, uh, a few days after Federer knocked Marcus Willis out of Wimbledon, uh, he was uh, guesting from Wimbledon on Breakfast TV, doing a bit of a commentary uh, or a bit of a uh, chat uh, in the morning sports report, which they broadcast live from the 
from the grounds at Wimbledon. And uh, he'd finished his spot, but he was still on set. And Carol Kirkwood, the uh, weather girl and the ex-Strictly mm -hmm. uh, contestant, rushed on and she uh, she cupped his ears. She rushed up to him and cupped his ears like this and uh, said, Oh, I'm sorry, Marcus. I just had to do that. You have such beautiful ears. <laughs> now, imagine the furore. Uh, there was no response <laughs> to that, no reaction, apart from the two main anchors raised their <laughs> eyebrows and looked a bit bemused. That was it. That was the reaction. Gone in a moment. No press furore, nothing. But if Marcus, um, sorry, if uh, Andrew Castle had done that to Jennifer Bate, mm. imagine, mm. I mean, that would have been hell to pay. He probably it, would have lost his job. Yes. So mm. I think we need to retain a sense of humour about these uh, these things and uh, and uh, a bit of tolerance would go along with Absolutely. It. Right, let's have a little bit more music. We've only got, all nine minutes left of the show before we hand over to Dave for his Sunday lunchtime. So we'll have just enough time before we go to hear from... Um, well, it's, it's quite an appropriate song uh, coming up next. It's called Lucky Stars, and we've, we've been talking about a lot of stars, haven't we? Um, and then we'll get uh, the final details that we need from Graham about this talk at Carriages later on this week. We are almost out of time here on Girls Around Town this morning. We're just going to have time for a very quick reminder from Graham of where and when Fifty Shades is taking place in your, this coming week, and also how you can get tickets. Graham, over to you. Thanks, June. Well, it's uh, this Friday, 24th of May, at Carriages, uh, which is on Platform 1 at uh, Newark Castle Station. And uh, it's £10 entry, but you get a welcome drink on arrival, wine or a non-alcoholic alternative. Uh, so it's basically uh, um, uh, a few laughs, 7 for 7.30. Uh, and you can get tickets from Carriages... Uh, and uh, you can phone them on six seven uh, Newark six seven six one two nine, or just drop into uh, carriages and pick them up. Uh, or come along on the night, and uh, we should be able to accommodate you. And there is also um, a Facebook event page, isn't it? If people, there? Is. If people go in, what oh, do they look for? Fifty Shades uh, on, of Graham, or uh, for you, they can look or on carriages, carriages uh, yeah. events, or Keel Media events, right. and uh, all the details are there. Right, and also we've just just got time as well. Um, for you to give us the actual website address for you so people can have a look at some of your um, previous interviews and things sure. like that and sure. also if people want to find out how to get in touch with you to arrange a talk of their for their own group so where do they find you for that it's www.keelmedia.uk uh, www brilliant not com not co dot uk <laughs> killmedia.uk and um i think i'm not sure uh have i put a link on that there is um no i don't think i was going to say um i thought i might have put a link on the girls around town website but what i have put a link on there girls around town online.com if you go to latest news you'll see the post in question you will see those ticket details and also a link from there to that event page i, yep. knew, there, I knew there was something on there so you can go to uh, my website and um, get in touch about carriages but you can go to graham's website keelmedia.uk got it yeah keelmedia.uk if you are um somebody who runs a group or is part of a group and you'd be interested in having a talk not necessarily 50 shades although um it sounds as though it could be a lot of fun thank you very much indeed graham for coming in this morning thank you and good luck on friday we oh. are about to leave the studio now um and uh 
vacate our seat so that Dave Brealey Smith can take over and uh, he will be here with you for his Sunday lunch show. Stay tuned for the rest of the day, obviously, for all sorts of good shows and good music, and the rest of the week as well, because here at Radio New York, we are with you 24-7, 365 days a year. I'll be back next Sunday. I have a lady talking about the laughter locker next Sunday. So um, tune in next Sunday morning to join me, and maybe Rosalind, if she is back in time.